guys welcome back to another episode of brotherly love in the district tristan here along with jacob and jacob you want to get tell them what we're going to get into today yeah so this week we're going to be going over the week two matchups for both of our teams as well as we're going to be giving a little insight into week three um going on to baseball there's around two to three weeks left of baseball left to play so we're going to talk about that as well as a big milestone um an MLB player just reached reached and finally going over into hockey we have a few anecdotes to talk about for the flyers so let's get right into it yes so we're gonna start out going over last week's games and this is one that i was so happy for and while while the game is going on i was sitting there just bullying you the entire time because you were so confident that detroit is still detroit and they still suck that. Uh, well, I, yeah, I didn't think they sucked. I just think it was a team we should have beaten, but I, that did not happen. I would agree, but it, they still are a good team now. Like, I yeah, wouldn't. A, yeah. So, you guys end up taking a loss against the Lions, but you guys were in Detroit, and the final was 36 to 27. You guys were down big and started to make a comeback. Yeah, so the first half I can honestly say was one of the worst halves of football I think I've ever seen. And if we're talking about it, first off, our offensive line did not look ready to play at all. They seemed so shocked that they were being rushed. And it really makes me question, what was the scouting report? I mean, this is something that I think was pretty common knowledge that the Lions were just going to all out blitz you and our play calling, our offensive line, they did not seem ready. And it was, it's really shocking because it's, you had a week to prepare for a team where you pretty much know exactly to a T what they're going to do. But for some reason, they were trying to run up the gut and they were running play action passes, which when a team is all out blitzing, that is yeah, one that of the worst things you can do. And I'm pretty sure they ran one inside the five. I was appalled at the offensive play calling and the offensive line play. The first half, Carson Wentz made some bad throws, but I honestly don't really think the first half was really his fault because he didn't have a lot of time. So, I mean, it, I mean, I understand we lose as a team, but part of it wasn't his fault. And the defense was just – the defense Not there. This is the really, second week in a row Detroit put up 30. It's truly baffling. This is an NFL unit and looking at, like – I honestly, you cannot tell me that you don't think that Montez Sweat and Kendall Fuller and some of some of these other guy, other guys can play good football, but they just don't. I mean, we're honestly going to have one of the worst defenses in the entire league, and I'm starting to blame the coaching staff because it's the same exact problems we were having last year, but in this case, it seems like it's gotten worse because it's the same thing a year on and they didn't adjust and they didn't address the problems. Like we're only running a two linebacker set, which is, this isn't the nineties. This, that is not going to work. And if you look at our defensive line here, so here's the line for some, like we have the two, the 
two, two, but there's a big space in the middle and we question why we're getting the ball run all over us. Teams are going into games thinking, okay, we can manhandle them. And it showed last week in the first half that was legitimately, seriously, one of the worst halves of football I think I've ever seen when it comes down to the scouting department. I really need to question, like, what was the scouting report? Why wasn't the coaching staff getting the players ready for this week? Because it's not a big secret as to what the Lions are going to do. I mean, not- it's it's not like that. And I mean, I honestly don't think Jack Del Rio should have a job. I'm surprised that he made it to that uh, Monday after the game because I think he's a horrible defensive coordinator right about now. And the fact that they're calling out Jamin Davis, but they're not exactly run, like doing him a lot of favors. Yes, I understand in terms of coverage and in terms of his roaming ability, he could be better, but they're not putting anyone else really around him. Cole Holcomb isn't that guy. We need an a experienced linebacker to help him out. And he looks actually decent on the rush, like blitzing him, but we don't do that. And I just, this coaching staff, I think, is coming into the hot seat because I don't think this defense is really going to improve massively, even when Chase is back. I still think teams are going to be able to pass and run all over us. The main strong point I thought for this defense was going to be a run defense, but it's just not really there, at least in the first half. I mean, the second half in terms of defense, we got a few more stops, but Jared Goff was still, he threw four touchdowns against us. Jared Goff, I think, okay, so first off, Detroit, like I said, I think they have a whole new swagger to them with the the Hard Knock series because that kind of gives you – personally, I always get chills watching those inside, like behind-the-scenes videos or shows of teams. I watched one with the Eagles from a couple seasons ago. It just gives you like – it adds an extra layer of excitement when you're watching it because you're seeing what's happening behind the scenes. So I feel like Detroit has a new swagger to them. And I feel like that shows in the, in the, at Ford field in the, it's not an arena, but uh, a dome field. Yeah. The dome, the at the field, the fans are, are bought into it uh, again and set up again. So the defense is feeding off of that. Like you said, they are rushing a lot. Now here's where I think the difference in the success of the Lions defense on the Eagles versus the success of the Lions defense against the commanders. Carson Wentz is nowhere near, not even close to as mobile as Jalen Hurts is. So when you have a mobile quarterback like Jalen Hurts and you blitz six, seven uh, pass rushers and Jalen Hurts finds an opening, he's going to make you pay for it. That's why the Eagles had success where as you have where you have Carson Wentz, who don't get me wrong, he can run, but he's not as fast or is he as shifty as uh, Jalen Hurts. You've seen Jalen Hurts put defenders on their butt from juking them out. So they they took a more pocket a pocket presence quarterback and gave him pressure. And that's where you saw this success higher with the commanders as opposed to Detroit. So That is something for the defensive coordinator of Detroit to take notes on himself is, you know, with a more guy who a quarterback who is more pocket ridden, like Kirk Cousins, like Aaron Rodgers, you blitz more. And then with a 
quarterback like Jalen Hurts, which we'll talk to, we'll talk about later. Um, even even a quarterback like Jalen Hurts, you still can't just sit back and let him throw it because he carved up the Vikings, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But uh, he he needs to the defensive coordinator needs to find that nice middle ground. Now for the Washington offense, Carson Wentz should not be throwing the ball forty six times. He went 30 for 46 for 337 yards, should not be throwing for 46 attempts. Well, Kurt, we're doing Kurt that out of necessity because in the first half, we could not get the running game going whatsoever, and I think that was the completely wrong. I'm fine with him throwing the ball 46 times a game because we saw offensive line could not sustain a, a running offense. They simply couldn't. In the first half, they played awful, and we should – Again, this is going back to the scouting and the coaching. We should have seen what the Lions are doing. We sh- like should have schemed up quick passes, like yeah, uh, and that's drag routes and screens. That that's would have been in the second half. Once the offensive line starting started to play good, their defense on a lot of drives could not stop us. He had over 200 yards and four touchdowns in the second half. I mean, I'm sorry. If you were just to look at the second half stats, you'd say, okay, that's a game that team probably should win because four touchdowns in the second half. That is uh, like, we, we outscored them. I mean, we showed the promise of the offense, but I mean, this, the first half still baffles me. Like once we saw from the first few, like first two drives that we could not get the run game going, we should have just started throwing very quick passes because we knew the offensive line wasn't holding up, so we couldn't get the run game going, but we still have a very good wide receiver core, and we saw that, and Jahan Dotson had a great touchdown. Curtis Samuel had a great touchdown. Terry McLaurin had a great game. We saw that the passing game of this offense can be deadly if we call the right plays, if we scheme correctly. And play-action passes against a blitzing defense is not that. I mean, that is truly... I don't. I still don't understand. Nobody can will be able to explain to me the um, the game plan for that first half because maybe we thought we could run the gut up, run up the gut with with our offense, which I don't think we can because Gibson has shown he's not the best up the gut runner. And our offensive line after that first drive, we sort of saw okay, something's different. Like they in the second half, I'll give them credit; they played pretty good. Our offense in the second half looked amazing, but it is a truly it's it's not looking good. Um You're- more towards the defensive side of the ball because what are we gonna do against the Eagles? Because we're notoriously we notoriously struggle against running quarterbacks and teams with good running backs. Well, teams with good offenses in general. So I think you're gonna score over 40 points. I mean I mean, preview to next week, I think it's going to be a game where it's like 20 to 40, like one of those games. But yeah, our defense is, I mean, I think it's wrong in terms of the whole concept. Like, I don't think anything works. Uh, you're, it comes down to the, so I'm looking here at the, you guys still had three sacks, which isn't terrible, 10 quarterback hits. So it seems like your defensive line was getting home a little bit, but I mean, if you give not as your, much as they should, looking at yeah. our linebackers and our secondary play. I mean, your offensive line was struggling with Aiden Hutchinson, especially. He yeah, had three but, sacks. 
in the first, and I'm pretty sure most of those came in the first half, but in the second half, like, as we saw, we were able to throw the ball all over their defense. And that's what we could have won that game if we played like we did in the second half. I know that's a big if, but that's a game we should have been able to outscore them, but we, I mean, we just didn't. Uh, But yeah, Aiden Hutchinson had a game. It's just coming down to, I mean, your defensive line should be getting home with what they have. I, the Eagles are going through the same thing with the defensive line. And uh, so like back, you know, a couple of years ago, the defense, the Eagles defense didn't have to rush as many people. You had Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, Timmy Jernigan, like those people up front, they could rush the passer and they would cause havoc just with them. They're now at the point where they need to blitz a little bit and throw in maybe a linebacker or a corner here and there and just try to mix it up a little bit. They're no longer at that point where the front four should can get home by themselves. They're getting older. Washington should be able to have that. All your all your front four are still young in Montez Sweat, John, Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne. They're all young still. Uh, so they should be able to be getting home on their own. And I think that's what's causing the issue for your defense because obviously your secondary has shown that they need as much help as they can get to drop back in coverage. And, and our so, linebackers, I honestly think, are the worst in the league. So I was actually listening to uh, to a different podcast with Quentin Michael and Jason Avant, uh, two former Eagles, and they said – Quentin Michael said they used to run a defense where basically they would just put all DBs on the field. Now, obviously, you don't run this the entire game. But no, when, you're, when, you're in big, when you're in big passing downs, like third and long – Isn't it like take, prevent defense? Isn't it's – well, no, prevent doesn't do anything except prevent you from winning. But, uh, well, but I've seen, and I'm talking like, about the team running something defense. similar where it's basically you sit at the first down. Yeah, the picket fence. Yeah. It, it doesn't work. I mean, the teams usually get torched on that. But when, uh, when, but like basically what they would do was they would run a normal defense, but they'd take out the linebackers and sub them in for other DBs. So just for example, when Washington had Landon Collins, instead of, you then bring in like Cam Curl and another safety to play like Bobby McCain. Drop back, yeah, Bobby yeah. McCain to play drop back safety. You put Landon Collins in at linebacker because he's a coverage guy. You bring That's in all your like, corners. I don't understand why we haven't back. done that yet. Like once Cam Curl comes back, Derek Forrest should be playing over the middle. You cannot exactly. convince you me otherwise. And like the defense, I think they've shown that this new defensive line coach is showing like that there's improvement going on. I think they're getting home a lot more, but we're putting way too much stress on them because all the players behind them seemingly can't really make enough plays. I mean, we're expecting really good quarterback rushes on every single play if we want to succeed. So yes, I understand like it's based off of them. And I think that's where we're going to succeed and fail, but we have to look at the other areas and the fact that, Yes, the defensive line is not going to be able to get to the quarterback every single play, so they're going to have to make plays at some point, and they're just not. And I think Del Rio and, like, what is Rivera doing if, like, they're supposed to be defensive experts, yet we're running this ancient, this ancient defensive system that clearly doesn't work, and the personnel, they didn't change much. And I don't know why they're expecting anything other than utter failure like we saw in that entire game that's 
I mean, it's the the bright side is is what you mentioned like at the beginning of your little rant. There was the defensive line coach actually showing improvement in the defense. Yeah, they're actually like and showing more moves and stuff like that. So, so that's the one. Which thing. it's still it's still early in the season, and that's that's something that you know uh, you kind of hope grows. Now you're starting to get to the point. I know you said your starters started quite a bit in preseason. Um, I think that could be working to your advantage. So maybe your defensive line can have that earlier than some other teams, but I mean, it's still early. So the beginning, the beginning of the season, you just want to see improvement. Once you get to mid season, obviously you still want to be in a point where you're still around 500 and it's, you have your defensive line where they want to be to the point where you can help out your secondary. The Eagles had to do the same thing because I mean, as you know, with, without Darius Slay first, the secondary was terrible. Then last season when they had Darius Slay and Stevie Nelson, Steven Nelson got burnt quite a bit, but thank God the other quarterbacks just didn't see it. But now with the better secondary with James Bradbury, it takes the pressure off of the uh, defensive line to get home as much. So it makes defense a lot easier. So it's improvement that may take a couple, take a little bit, but once it does work out, then it looks a lot better. It's just hard to see because one thing, like going with the Eagles, we saw last week, the week one, the run defense was awful. We saw major improvement, and it's I can't remember the last time I really saw that with this defense. It seems like we have the same problems. The Lions didn't run the ball a lot, yet they had almost 200 yards. Amon St. Brown, two carries, 68 yards. DeAndre Swift, five carries, 56 yards. Jamal Williams, 12 carries, 53. C. Reynolds. Craig Reynolds, three for 16, and Jared Goff. Yeah. yeah, and then Amon St. Brown, nine receptions, 116 yards. I mean, and most of this came in the first half. He had a day in fantasy. <laughs> I had him in a couple of my fantasy leagues, and whoo, he gave me like 40 points. But <laughs> I didn't have a game in fantasy because I stupidly decided to start Joe Burrow over, um, over Lamar Jackson, which was a very horrible decision. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think the Detroit – offense just exposed the weaknesses that they saw and that's really that's that's the nfl to a t it's just what coaches can play off of the other coaches weaknesses and then the second i think you guys got out coached honestly yeah and then in the second half we exposed their defensive flaws like if a team has a decent offensive line we were able to pass the ball all over them but like i like i think you said it's i think it was down to coaching because he made some really dumb decision to go for two-point conversions which I do not agree with and then Joey Sly mixed an extra point so I just think that was a bad coaching game and we cannot blame Carson Wentz whatsoever or the wide receivers because he played terrible he scored Carson Wentz had a I maintain he had a great game that one interception that was bad but he had 330 yards for three touchdowns 99 QB 99.7 QB uh yeah. in and pretty much all of his offense came in the second half so yeah Carson Wentz didn't play terrible he had a pretty decent uh game second in the league in passing yards so I I don't think he did terrible Carson Wentz is definitely holding up uh for right now he did get sacked five times which you know takes a toll on a player but he didn't play terribly once we get um why can't I why can't I really really 
Yeah, Roulier and um, the running back. Why can't I remember him? Brian Robinson. Yeah, once we get Brian, Ro- I always think James, even though he plays. Yeah, he plays for Jackson. Yeah, once we get him back, I think like he's a better runner, like pure runner than Antonio Gibson. Gibson is the better like gadget guy, and we saw that in week one. Once we get there, I think we'll have a good offense, and I think we'll start to see a run game more because we will want to keep our defense as fresh as possible and try and run down the clock a lot more than we have. So, I mean, there's some positives to the game, but one, the main negative I'm taking away from it is the appalling coaching job. I'm, I'm calling it appalling. Going over to the Eagles game, Boy, I was wrong. This one I was so scared for going into the game Monday night. But as soon as the game, it felt good. The the Vikings just didn't look like they wanted to play there. They didn't look ready to come into the link. The link was rocking for their home opener. And one thing I forgot about this game, um, it's a Kirk Cousins primetime game. As soon as I saw that, I should have known the Vikings were going to lose. Kirk Kirk Cousins was going into this game 2-9 and in primetime, now 2-10. and Uh, and honestly, I mean, my overall takeaway was the Eagles just looked ready to play, uh, starting on the offense, Jalen hurts had an amazing game. He -hmm. went 26 for 31, 333 with a touchdown and interception. The interception wasn't really his fault. It was a screen pass that bounced off of Kenny gain, Kenny Gainwell's hands and went into a linebacker's hands for an interception. So I don't really blame the interception on him. Uh, that's kind of an unfortunate event he got he did get sacked three times but only for 10 yards uh and then he also had a day rushing for 11 rushes for 57 yards and two touchdowns and the second touchdown he he pushed like three guys for five yards yeah that was ludicrous when i saw that i was watching the game like what on earth is happening like how got that did you see did you see the video they showed of him at oklahoma squatting 600 pounds yeah, I saw that. Yeah, first those, off, that's ridiculous. Yeah, and second off, when I saw that, one of the defenders actually tried to like knock the ball out instead of tackling him. Yeah, I'm I think that's on that play, I which led to the touchdown. And it, it just didn't seem like the Vikings were ready to play at all. And now, the a couple a couple things that I wanted to uh to talk about also was there. I think Jalen Hurts, just especially on Jalen Hurts, is. I think this game – now, don't get me wrong. The Vikings' secondary isn't as great as as uh, the rest of their team. The number three, I can't remember his name right now, but the guy who they were targeting a lot, number three cornerback for the Vikings, he's a young guy. He doesn't run well. Uh, and then Patrick Peterson, he's getting old. He doesn't run as well as he used to. Harrison Smith is really the only, like, solid piece they have in their secondary anymore. Uh, but I think – the Jalen Hurts proved with these week two games that he can actually play quarterback at the NFL level. You know, mm-hmm. the Lions, they gave him, they played the more uh, blitz happy defense and he showed that he can do damage with his legs and get out of the pocket and make them pay for blitzing. And then in this game, they played the old school Jonathan Gannon defense from last season where you just sit back and try to keep everything underneath, which you saw that didn't even work on one of the plays. Uh, they ran a special routes uh, route scheme where Quez Watkins went over the top with Dallas Goddard going on a in basically to uh, op- to bring the safety down. 
and it worked out perfectly. And Quez Watkins was wide open 50 yards downfield for a touchdown. But Jalen Hurts proved that he could play at an NFL level with no matter what he's getting thrown at him. Now, if Washington does their uh, does their tape watching correctly, they should realize, you know, with a little bit of a blitz and a little bit of a drop back, they should be able to stop them. And that'll be like, that should be that the, should be the game plan. But yeah, if, if it's going to take, it's yeah, going to take a little bit to notice that. If we're really looking at it, they're probably like Miles Sanders is going to have a big game where another one where he has below 20 carries, but above 80 yards. And it, that's probably going to happen. And like, he's not going to pass the ball as much. I like, I think this game was perfect in terms of game plan. 26 completions on 31 attempts. I think that's the sweet spot for your offense. And looking at his rushing numbers as well, I think the stat line is going to be very similar for the Washington game, but I think he's going to have either one or two more um, throwing touchdowns. I think uh, – so the, the balance, uh, they are keeping the offense a lot more balanced. Now – it's the total, the total team splits was 31 passes, 34 rushes, but Jalen Hurts ran for 11 of those. And it doesn't tell you which ones were scrambles and which ones were designed runs. Yeah. Designed so, quarterback runs versus so if, if you were to just say five and like take it half, then it was really go 36 passes and 27 rushes, which still is leaning more towards the pass, which is what they want to do on the offense. But, uh, and in this, I mean, at the start of the game, they came out in a five wide. They spread them out, uh, had AJ, AJ Brown out there, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, Quez Watkins. They went out five wide. And that really shows that the offensive coordinator has trust in Jalen Hurts' ability to throw the ball, which I think is huge, especially in this season where it's kind of his prove it season. Yeah. Uh, so the and I think he's done that so far. Offensive coordinator is trusting Jalen Hurts. He had an amazing game. Miles Sanders had 20 touches for 86 yards, 17 carries. Uh, he had a solid game. They did give the ball a little bit to Boston Scott and Kenneth Gainwell, but they ran for six total carries for 26 total yards. Nothing too great. Um, but, I mean, overall, the offense was just put put out really well and played well. They exposed the defense of the Vikings. And then going to the defensive side, Darius Slay in himself had a game. I think he's the player of the game. He had five he pass breakups picks. and two picks. Yeah, he. Uh, they had 11 total pass breakups on defense, which is huge. Just to give you an idea, the Minnesota defense only had two on the Eagles. And then just going over to your game, the Detroit defense had two pass breakups and the Washington defense had five. So they had more than all three of those teams combined on each other. Uh, so Darius Slay had a huge day, and Darius Slay was really – he won it in the, in the locker room, really, essentially. I mean, he watched the tape, saw what Justin Jefferson was doing, the way he stepped. Uh, Justin Jefferson just didn't come out ready to play, in my opinion. I mean, he looked – Yeah, I think it, they played that – that it's kind of similar to how Washington came out in the first half. It, it just seemed like their maybe their scouting wasn't up to what it should have been. And they just were not ready to play. They did not seem prepared. They seemed, they they seemed shocked. Yeah. And something else that I really took from the defensive side was 
uh jonathan gannon was he did an amazing job on third down making Kirk cousins nervous if you if you look at both the picks that he threw to just or to darius slay they were both i believe they were both on third down and they were ones where he was getting blitzed and he just wanted to get the ball out of his hands especially that last one that last one he didn't even look he just threw the ball up hoping that someone would come down with it uh that first one he way under threw justin jefferson it went right into darius slay's hands um Darius Slay held Justin Jefferson to one reception for seven yards on, I think it was about 40% of the, of the passes of the plays where he was covering them. So he played really well. The, the defense was played pretty well overall. CJ Gardner Johnson got lucky, real lucky. Uh, Kirk Cousins delivered a beautiful pass right over the fingertips. It literally hit him in the hands. He brought it into his body, and then he dropped it. Dropped it. I was, I was. That should have been a touchdown. Yeah, that that was a beautiful pass, and there was another beautiful pass by Jalen Hurts, which I'm sure you saw, where he put it right up where only Dallas Goddard could get it, and Goddard just got killed in the mid area of his body and i think that's why he dropped it but yeah but looking at the eagles defense they're not going to be able to afford plays like that because we saw in both these weeks that carson wentz is able to make those throws and with a guy like mclaurin or dotson or curtis samuel that's very dangerous and i think that's something they're going to need to adjust to because i think we're going to pass a lot considering i think we're going to be playing from behind so i think they're gonna have to really watch out for that um and and like darius slay i still think he's gonna have a good game but i don't like well no not sure about we're never sure about carson wentz but jd mckissick had a great game and i think that's something that's linebackers though yeah, that's linebackers, and I think we're going to try and use that and maybe not try and force it as much into the wide receivers. Now, so, something, something something I'll mention fun. there once we get to that um, is, for one, the the entire defense was getting in on the pass breakup game. Yeah. TJ Edwards had one. He's a downhill linebacker. Avante Maddox had one. He also had a pick. Kaiser White, another linebacker, had a pass breakup. Hassan Reddick, who should be blitzing, not – playing pass but he had a pass breakup uh Darius Slay had five James Bradbury had one Zach McPherson had one so everyone was getting involved the defense was put together all quite well um they only had two sacks but I think that's because Kirk Cousins was more about trying to get the ball out than just taking a sack as you saw so overall I think it was a really good game there's not much you can really say that they did bad unless you're nitpicking but they want to they won the turnover battle and they ended up, you know, just making the Vikings pay. They, they played really well. They took the Vikings down. And I mean, there's nothing you can really do. It really actually makes the Vikings look like worse of a team because yeah, they didn't look ready to play at all. No. So the, um, was Darius Slay following Jefferson? No, not I I'll pull up the, I need to find the, the stat that I had. Cause I saw the, I saw the the play distribution between Darius Slay on Justin Jefferson and how he did against him. I'll see if I can find it again, but the Darius Slay wasn't mirroring him. I think they were just the only time they really had an issue with Justin Jefferson was when they lined him up in the slot. 
because then they had Avante Maddox on them and you can't, you don't want to take your outside corners and James Bradbury or Darius Slay and put them on the inside because then Avante Maddox will get exposed on the outside. So they should have recognized that and played off that a little bit better, but I'm interested to see how your defense is going to be playing this upcoming matchup because McLaurin's obviously a great receiver. Um, Curtis Samuel has shown he could catch a ball underneath or over the middle of the field. He can run it. And then Jahan Dotson has some of the best route running and moves I've seen from a rookie that touchdown he caught first off great catch, but he made an insane one-on-one move to, to um, be able to catch that. So I'm, I'm interested to see how your defense is going to scheme for us. I'm, I'm not that worried about it. Um, I mean, no offense, but I don't think your offense is as potent as the, as the Vikings offense. Don't get me wrong. Terry McLaurin is a great uh, wide receiver. And I mean, Jahan Dotson has shown that he can play and the, He's he's shown that he can play. Curtis Samuel is showing now that maybe that contract was a little worth it, but they uh they the I'm Vikings not, have better like top of the line better receivers. Yes, top of the line players, but they do not have the depth that we do. They don't have three major threads you can look to and say, okay, they could get the ball at any time, and they don't have multiple good pass catching running backs. Yes, um, the now. Let's just take this and move it on to next week because obviously next week Washington is playing Philly. It's uh, in Washington, so not the return of Carson Wentz quite yet. But uh, like you said, the the one big thing that I'm worried about is that J.D. McKissick matchup because I think he could have a day. Now, it's not because I think the Eagles linebackers are terrible. Obviously, Kaiser White has proven to maybe be the only one-year linebacker uh, contract that they've given out recently that'll work for them and but they're trying to line Hassan Reddick up out and cover people and I think that could prove to be an issue I mean if you take your offense I, this is a play that I think would help expose that if they have if they see where Hassan Reddick is trying to line up and cover you take your three receivers put them in trips run them one way on like a flow play to run them one way and then take J.D. McKissick, throw him on a wheel route, maybe make Carson Wentz roll out a little bit just to get the defense moving one way. He's gone. Touchdown to J.D. And McKissick. he's shown that he's not afraid to throw to McKissick and Gibson. He's so – I mean, I'm going to pull up um, McKissick's stats. He had a very good game, and I think it's definitely something to worry about. And – um you can't exactly just focus on one player in this offense because Logan Thomas caught a touchdown pass. Um, obviously, our wide receivers are are playing great. So that's why I said earlier that I think it's going to be like a 20 to 40 kind of game where it's pretty high scoring. Um, J.D. McKissick had seven catches for 54 yards, so that's definitely something to worry about. And considering that's pretty much all in the second half, most of that offense is second half. Uh, oh, this is the wrong way. Here it is. All right. So Justin Jefferson versus Darius Slay. So he was shadowing Jefferson 37% of the time, 17 out of the 47 attempts. 
He had five targets towards him. Justin Jefferson only had one reception for seven yards, uh, zero touchdowns, and Slay had two interceptions. And there's a target EPA minus 11.9. I'm not sure what that means. Uh, most EPA loss targeting any receiver with a specific defender and coverage in a game over the last six seasons. Tristan, time. It's less than a minute. Yeah, I know. I was going to finish that and then go. Yeah. I'll just stop it. So Darius Slay overall had a great game against Justin Jefferson, who is one of the best receivers in the league, in my opinion, especially young receivers. Now, what we were saying about this week, I feel way more confident about the secondary with James Bradbury, especially after this game with Adam Thielen. Now, I think, especially at the end of the game, they started targeting Adam Thielen more. And Adam Thielen started to have a game. He had he started to, he was starting to make catches. He, he had three receptions for 40 yards, I think. Uh four receptions for 52 yards. So yeah, I mean he was having a deep he was having a good game once they started to target him. Now going to the Washington game, I'm more worried about your slot with Curtis Samuel because I feel like do they use Terry McLaurin in the slot? I don't think so. Like, I feel like Terry McLaurin is more an outside receiver. But... Yeah, I think he's typically more outside, but I think we have used both Samuel and Doxon in if, the slot. If they, if they move their wide receivers around, I think you could cause some issues. If yeah, they try I... to keep whoever on the outside and only keep Curtis Samuel in the slot, I think that could make it 10 times easier for the Eagles. Yeah, and so obviously we're going to be using Gibson as a gadget guy and obviously McKissick as well and be throwing to him more. So I think that's, I think our offense is going to cause you guys some problems, but when it comes down to it, I trust your defense to make stops a lot more than I trust, um, than I, than I trust ours too. I mean, I think the best, like the best way to scheme for this is look at what Detroit did. We're going to have to be blitzing Jamin Davis and obviously the front four a lot. And then Cam Curl's going to be back. So I think either Forrest or Curl should be in the box, like running a three safety set. Yeah. That's our best chance of winning, but I still don't think it's going to happen because you have too many weapons for us to worry about. And we're notoriously bad against running quarterbacks. And obviously our, your run game is pretty good as well as your offensive line. And we saw last week, Amon St. Brown, nine receptions, a hundred, 116 yards. So Smith or AJ Brown could have a very big game as well as Goddard. Cause who's going to cover him? The, the lions don't have nearly as much talent at wide out and rece receivers in general, whether it's tight ends, running backs, whatever, they don't have as much talent there as the Eagles do. The Eagles can, I think, the best way for the Eagles to win is to spread out Washington as much as possible, yeah. go five wide, try to do a ton of 11 personnel so that you can get Devontae Smith out there. So 11 is, for people who don't know, 11 personnel is one running back, one tight end, and every else, everyone else is wide receivers. So you throw 11 personnel out, you can get Miles Sanders out there and Dallas Goddard, and then you have Devontae Smith, uh, A.J. Brown, and Quez Watkins. On some plays, you can sub in Zach Pascal. They they need to spread them out is what they need to do. Because I think if they spread them out, your secondary is going to be struggling and your linebackers, uh, like you said, one of the best, if not the best offensive line in football. It's the I think the Eagles can make your defense pay quite a bit 
Um, yeah, I, it's going to be a very interesting offensive game because both our offense have the potential to possibly expose certain aspects of um, each of our defenses. And both of our offenses have shown that they can play really well. Like, there's not much to complain about in terms of the Washington offense. Besides, like, the only thing you could really say is um, Carson Wentz could um, – like not make as many stupid turnovers but again it's still early and obviously maybe get the run game going a little bit more but we've been able to supplement that with amazing pass play so i'm interested offensively but both of our but defensively i don't think it's going to be as interesting of a game now i know you're saying that uh in hopes of you know your team somehow surprising everyone but now this is just something i heard i'm i can't speak to it because i don't know as much but i've heard the washington offensive line struggles quite a bit i know you guys are down your center yeah it, um, they struggled in the first half but in the second half they played really well so it's it, it's hit or miss i guess like no, I, really, I don't know what which one we're gonna get because we saw two polar opposites in the first half, the offensive line sucked. We couldn't do anything offensively. In the sec second half, they were playing decent, and the Lions couldn't They There's a lot of drives where they simply could not stop us. So I don't I think, know. I think that will make or break the game right there. The yeah. If, if the defense um, – because obviously, like I said, Carson Wentz has been able to dot some defenses up. But mm -hmm. I don't – I think that this is like the real first – talented defense you guys are playing uh the the lions secondary just hasn't really jeff okuda hasn't proven anything we, uh, we saw this in the second half that their secondary really isn't yeah. that good. and the jaguars defense is not what it used to be saxonville is way gone so i think this is the first talented defense you're going to be so it's i think it's the first real test for carson wins which is going to be interesting to watch and also i think the game is going to be one in the trenches i mean the you're going to see a the Washington offensive line is going to have to try to stay as fresh as possible and yeah, work that's because the Eagles run a really high rotational defensive mm -hmm. line. They have so many D tackles and DNs that they use. They also tried a little bit of a NASCAR package and put Josh Sweat at D tackle this week, which worked worked out really well. So that that I think can make or break the game right Our there. Offensive success, like we saw last week banks on the play of our offensive line and it's been good last year it was good in the Jags game it was pretty good in the second half of the Lions game but it was awful in the first half of the of the Lions game so I really don't know what we're going to get I think they're going to hopefully learn from last week and hopefully scheme a bit better for you guys I think it's it's going to be an interesting game like I said because we have our depth and some of our like some of our skilled players could cause you guys some problems defensively, but I just, at the end of the day, I don't trust our defense enough to make enough stops down the stretch. I, I'm just, I'm not going to say, I'll say like score wise, I think the Eagles have potential to put up 30. I wouldn't say 40 just because the way they slowed down after they were up on the Vikings. Uh, so I wouldn't say 40. They need to learn how to not but take the Vikings. One counterpoint for that is they weren't scoring in high volume at yeah. all. Uh, so I I would say the Washington could – I'd say they could score 17. 
So I'm going to say 31-17, Philly. I'm thinking like either 40-21 or like 37-20, like around there. Uh, and you're saying Philly? Yeah. Also. Even can though I, knowing I, my track record, we probably I, I shouldn't say, can, can we Can we change the pick now? Because you I shouldn't trust anything I say at this point because I'm truly awful at this. But that's yeah. I think I think it'll come down to the trenches, and it's going to be a good game. Uh, yeah. Did you did you see like the other games? This um, just real quick before we move on to the MLB. Did you see any of the other games this week? I mean, I you saw have, you have that. red zone. No, we do, but I was only watching the Washington. I watched oh, okay. the Washington game. Oh yeah, that's paying, I do that too. I was paying attention to the Falcons game because the. Because the, the Falcons almost reversed their curse. Yeah, it was like 20 to 3, and the Falcons almost won. I was paying attention to that. I there saw were so it, many big comebacks. I saw, yeah, I saw the Ravens choked it. Tua had an insane game. I I formally apologized to Tua. I mean, wow. Look, he leads the league, and I'm pretty sure touchdowns and and passing yards. Yeah, he had almost 500 passing yards. But, he had like five or six touchdowns, so that's ridiculous. Yeah, who he, played they had Sunday, an amazing game. Who played Sunday night? Sunday night was the Bears and Packers. That was a big – Yeah, that game well. sucked. So They shouldn't be putting that game – Just I, I just wanted to talk about some of the comebacks. The Cardinals-Raiders game was insane. There, there was a two-point – not the, the last two-point conversion, but the one before that. Kyler Murray extended the play. It yeah, took that, 20, and he made an insane pass. It, it, no, he, no, that was the last one. The last one when he made the pass. The first one was he the defensive line got to him and he started scrambling around and the play took 20.8 seconds. And to score a two-point conversion from the two-yard line in the last one, they took a penalty, so it was a seven-yard two-point conversion. But the first one, it was from the two-yard line. He ran 89.4 yards to score a two-point conversion. Wow. So uh, they they made that insane comeback. It's one twenty nine to twenty three. The Falcons almost reversed their curse. They were down twenty eight to three against the Rams. The Rams just took their foot off the gas and wanted to uh, take a chill pill. I'm really starting to question. I'm starting to question the Rams Super Bowl pick. I'm. I know it's I'm early, but I'm not as like hundred percent sure on them as I was at the beginning of the season. The what other games were there? Oh, big for the 49ers. Trey Lance is out for the season. Yeah, That's Jimmy tough. Garoppolo is Jimmy, back. Jimmy G's coming back. That makes my Debo fantasy so much happier because I know Jimmy G loves Debo. Yeah, I have him in fantasy as well. Uh, then there was the Dolphins-Ravens was a big game. And then the Jets scored two touchdowns late, like last two minutes of the game late to come back and beat the Browns when Nick Chubb decided to score a touchdown instead of... Yeah, instead of just falling down. Yeah, Joe um, Flacco played like it was 2012 that game. Yeah, that, that, was a, that was a good game. And somehow the Giants won again, and the Cowboys won. That, those two... Yeah, yeah the Cowboys, like, played really good against they, the... Against I, didn't, the I wouldn't say they played good. They played... Cooper Rush is just built different when it comes to game-winning drives he came out last season scored a game-winning drive against minnesota came out this season scored a game-winning drive against cincinnati they scored i want to say on their first like three two i want to say their first two series against the bengals three series against the bengals and then after that they did nothing the bengals made a comeback and then they won the game they got the game the bangle the bengals offensive line is still 
it's still terrible. Sucks. Yeah, it, their awful. their offensive line is still terrible, and I think that was their downfall. I still think part of it's on Joe Burrow. But Joe Burrow has been still, sacked over eleven times this season. Yeah, we we ha- like you simply just have to look at that stat. Uh, but that so we're we're gonna do that. We're actually gonna start something new, which is I'm really excited about. So we're working on getting it into a stream, but right now we're gonna be doing a recording where we'll go through the uh we're gonna go over the each each pick of the uh of the week so coming up we're gonna start it not this week since we've already missed it but going into next week for week four we're gonna start it we're gonna be releasing that i believe on it'll be on wednesday or thursday uh depending on all the editing and stuff but It'll be a Wednesday. It'll be a Wednesday or Thursday thing, and we are going to release that. That's going to be a YouTube video because we'll have the games pulled up and everything. Uh, but we're going to start going over each game during the week to talk about those games and just bring out a more broad NFL view for everyone to watch instead of yeah. just you know focusing on Washington or Philly. So that's something that I'm certainly looking forward to. Hopefully, you guys will look forward to that too. Uh, but that will be a YouTube thing uh, at Brotherly Love in the District. So you guys can start checking that one out next week. Uh, but with that, that really finishes off our NFL for this week. Um, we Through two weeks, the season has not disappointed. And the Eagles look good. I'm happy about that. Uh, the Washington, though, I mean, if Cooper Rush keeps on playing like this, Washington might not have that second, that second seed locked up in the NFC East. Yeah, um, I'm wondering if we'll even be third. The way, <laughs> yeah, the Giants how, are two and out. How bad our defense is. I mean, right now we have a top 10 offense in the league, but one of the worst defenses in the league. So who in Let's the see. world knows? The Giants play the Cowboys this week on That's, Monday night. That, ooh, Monday night. That, I mean, that'll be an interesting that'll- unfortunately that's gonna be a pretty decent game (laughs) i think it'll be fun to watch in the same way a a car crash is i think it's gonna be a somewhat ugly game you don't want to look you don't want to look but you have to yeah um daniel jones versus cooper rush yeah exactly what you look for on monday night uh but moving we're gonna go to the mlb next and then just tack on some other things for the nhl at the end like we did last week so Going into the MLB, there are 14 regular season games left, at least for the Phillies. Obviously, it varies per uh, per team, but for the Phillies, 14 regular season games left, and they've been struggling recently. They've been on the they've been on the struggle bus and kind of have been getting into a rut, which doesn't look good going into the playoffs. Yeah, but the Brewers are like two games back, so you'd have to you have to start worrying not- about that. I'm not too worried about that quite yet, but so remember how I was saying they had that, uh, they had that little easy stretch. Yeah. That, that weird stretch against all those under 500 teams or 500 teams where they lost a ton. And then they had that little, they had that little win streak, uh, against Miami and Washington and Miami again. And then they started playing Braves, the Braves, they got swept against the Braves and split the Blue Jays. They were on a five-game losing streak. And yesterday, Matt Veerling had a heck of a day yesterday. Went five for five and got the walk-off at the end of the game in the bo- in the bottom of the tenth to win the game. But I'm really thinking this uh this easy schedule at the end of the season is actually hurting them more than it's helping them. Uh, but they just because 
they've been playing such easy teams now that they're actually playing playoff teams with the Braves and the Blue Jays. They they don't know what to do now. They're facing good pitching. It's it just doesn't seem right. They're going into another four game series in Philly against the Braves here. So I want to see them split, but they looked like they were on a bit of a downward slope, which is not good. Uh, but with that, they did get Zach Wheeler back. And so they moved Noah Syndergaard to the bullpen, which was interesting for me, uh, just because I feel like with Zach Wheeler coming back, I thought they would want to move Kyle Gibson to the to the bullpen just because he has a higher ERA. But I guess they felt that Noah Syndergaard just hasn't played as well since he got here. So personally, I thought they would have moved Kyle Gibson there, but that's obviously a manager's thing. Uh, especially in this game, Gibson. So they just lost 18 to 11, high scoring game. And Gibson's 21 hits to 15 in that game. Uh, but I'm trying to find where is the box score? There we go. Gibson was the losing pitcher up to a 471 ERA and five innings pitched, five innings pitched, 12 hits seven earned runs, a base on balls, only three strikeouts, and he gave up a home run. So I just thought that he was struggling a little bit. Eflin came back. He's in the he's in the bullpen also. He threw a little bit in that game for one inning, only gave up one run uh, and struck out two. So he had a decent game. That was also only one hit. Um, so Eflin's back. They got their pitching back for the most part, it seems. So now it's just waiting for everyone else to get healthy in the outfield with Castellanos still out. But I mean, they, like you said, their brewers are only two games behind. They're a game. They're a game and a half behind San Diego, which honestly I'm happy with. I want them to stay in that third spot. I don't want them playing Atlanta or the Atlanta or the Mets on the season. I pulled up their records against the three teams that they could possibly be playing in the playoffs, they are from they are five and thirteen against the Mets. They are six and nine against Atlanta, and they have four more games against Atlanta coming up this week. And then they are four and three again against St. Louis. Obviously, they don't play St. Louis as much, being that they are a out of division team. But the St. Louis games, I just feel like obviously they have a winning record, but it's still a 4-3 series, but I feel like they just have a better chance. I don't like the St. Louis pitching, starting pitching, as much as I like the Braves starting pitching. And well, the, the Mets, Mets pitching. yeah. Exactly. The, Mets, the Mets would sweep them, like you've been saying. DeGrom and Scherzer back-to-back. -back. Yeah, no, you're not. It's you'd over. be lucky to score three runs. In, in the series. Total. Yeah, yeah, in the total. series at that point. Uh, and, I mean, a lot of these games against the Mets, just looking at a couple of them, win two to one loss one to nothing a loss six to nothing loss seven to two loss eight to two so they've been struggling to score against the Mets yeah uh so I mean obviously with pitchers like that they're gonna struggle so and they have one of the best closers in the whole league in Edwin Diaz yeah, and Edwin Diaz pop found his groove this season uh and I feel like and they're obviously not going to have home field advantage at all during the playoffs because they're going to be the lowest seed, hopefully. Uh, but I mean that the, it just brings in a different energy when Edwin Diaz enters with his walk with his. I, I love I mean, it. The the trumpets 
it as much as I hate the Mets. Yeah, I'm not so a fan much, of them either, but, it, but it's, that, it's still cool to watch. Yeah, that walk that walkout song is still pretty sick, and like the entire place just erupts. So that's that's a momentum shifter just there. The fans getting into the game and everything. So, uh, but they have 14 games left on the season. Big series include the this four game series against the Braves, and then the three game at the end of the season against the Astros in Houston. Other than that, you have teams who are under 500 that you need to use just to stay in the playoff race. Um, other than that, I mean, it's, they just need to get the pitching on, on par Nola and Wheeler need to keep pitching at their, you know, ACE level area that they should be pitching at. And I think they'll be good for the playoffs and hopefully win around. Yeah, but let's um, the Nats were actually like two or three games away from um, passing either the Pirates or I. Th- I know there's another team, but basically we have a chance of not having the, the worst Athletics. Record. Yeah, we have a chance of not having the worst record in the league because we've actually like we've played some actually decent games. But the most interesting thing in baseball is Aaron Judge. He recently hit his 60th home run and. Tonight, they're facing the Red Sox, and they have a four-game series against the Red Sox in New York. So he's one away from tying Maris and two away from passing. So I think that game is – I I mean, I think we're going to have somewhat sim- – they're going to have somewhat similar watch numbers to the, um, to the Thursday night football game. So I'm going to be watching that Yankees game because it is – honestly one of the best maybe the best season in my lifetime i mean he's tied for the league and lead league and average but and then he is yeah he's on a triple crown watch right now yeah he's brought he he's obviously has the most home runs he's leading the rbis by like 15 or something or other so if he wins a triple crown and has over 62 home runs that is a truly ridiculous season I think 50 home runs is a ridiculous. Yeah. Season. And, and Albert Pujols, I mean, he's two away from 700. So there's two major home run milestone watches going on right now. Aaron, uh, Kyle Schwarber's still. He recently hit his 40th. Hit. Yeah. He just hit his 40th. I think, I think it was two days ago in that 18 to 11 loss. Yeah. He hit his 40th. He's three ahead of the next one behind him, but Paul Goldschmidt dropped off. Only 35 home runs. He's, he's he was like two behind Kyle Schwarber at one point. He's still, I think, gonna win the MVP, but he hasn't had that great of great of September. Yeah. Uh but I mean, dude, that's the thing about baseball is since it's so long, it's such a hot and cold sport, it's hard to like yeah, judge either a month or two ago. It wasn't that great. Now he has like, I'm pretty sure fifteen hundred OPS this month. Uh oh, I can probably pull that up he has a one one two six ops so far on the season and i'm yeah, pretty sure this month it's like 1400 or something like that yeah i'll pull up his splits real quick and get that but yeah he's having a heck of a did i talk about the video that he posted where he's just in uh he's in batting practice and he just goes yeah i'm gonna hit 50 again this year like just out of just naturally goes yeah it's gonna happen again Oh uh, yeah, in September he has a 1.591 OPS. That's insane. Oh that my is, gosh. That is ridiculous. And it's cool I get to say that I 
got to see one of the home runs on this great stretch so, and it was in um and it was in boston so 0.409 away from a perfect ops yeah so um if the yankees don't re-sign him I'll tell you what, this is the epitome of a perfect contract season. Yeah, I mean, a triple crown, possibly, it's in the realm of possibility, and he's probably, knock on wood, going to (laughs) break the Yankees' single-season home run record. Is that what the record is uh, coming up the... Yeah, if he, 61 is Roger Maris's um, um, record. Barry Bonds had... Barry Bonds said 73. I, I was going to say, I thought he was in the 70s. Well, yeah, but yeah. And I figured you would the know. record 61. Uh, so, that, so I'm going to be watching that game tonight. Hopefully, like, I think a lot of people are. Because it's on ESPN. Oh, it's a big game. The uh, Phillies play tonight on Fox against the Braves. Another, It's another semi-big game, just because it's an interdivisional game. But... Uh, and the Braves, I mean, they're still like, I think they're still nipping at the the Mets' heels. Yeah, they're pretty close. They're not. Where is standings? Uh, okay, the standings apparently don't exist. Um, but the yeah, I know the the Braves were nipping at the heels, and that's making that little race a bit interesting because. The Braves were they did take a they did take the division for like maybe a week, if that, and then the Mets took it back. I do have to tip my cap to the Mets because I didn't think they'd be able to hold on like they have this season. I thought they were gonna fall off just like they did every season, but I gotta tip my cap to them because they've been holding it on. And they are a game back of the Mets right now. So they're they're definitely fighting for that. Uh, that'll come down to, I wonder what their last series are against each other. Because if they still have one more series, that's going to be a really interesting series to watch. But with that, I mean, that's really all there is for baseball until the playoffs come up, just staying updated on that. Uh, Hang on one second, pulling up the Mets. The Mets do have another series against the Braves. It's towards it's at the end of this month. It's at the end of the month. Starts on September 30th. Uh and it's a three-game set. So the 30th, the first, and the second. And that'll probably decide the division. Yeah. That series right there. So that's gonna be an interesting one to watch. And then they end off with the nationals. But that really ends off the MLB for us coming up into the playoffs. Uh one thing before we do go into our little NHL thing, just a couple notes on the Flyers recently, they, as they've had a couple struggles pop up recently. I want to tell you guys about our friends at Bomberger. They are a nude food truck opened by two guys that we went to school with all through our lives, uh, started in elementary school, graduated with them. They are based out of Loudoun County. And they specialize in burgers. They just improved. They just redid their recipe. So they got new and improved burgers. Um, they, I'm a really big fan of their namesake, Bomb Burger. Um, but they make really good food. They do specials. And they are at Brossman's Farm Stand in Luckett's, Virginia, every weekend 
on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, so go check them out. They are starting to expand out more, going to different locations and going on more days instead of just being open on the weekends. So if you guys want to check them out, you guys can check them out on their socials on Facebook and Instagram at Bomberger Food Truck. They post where they're going to be. And so you guys can go and find them wherever they go. So definitely go check them out. And with that, let's uh, finish. Ryan Ellis. Yeah, finish off with the NHL. Not only Ryan Ellis, but also Sean Couturier. Yeah, both, so both of them are expected to miss the entire season. So, okay, so Sean Couturier, first off, neither neither of them are confirmed. Neither have been confirmed that they're going to miss the season. But it's unlikely. But, but unlikely. So that's right. let's, let's start with Sean Couturier, because I think that's the bigger loss. That is a huge loss. Uh, Sean Couturier, you know, he's the type of, he's probably the most important player aside from Carter Hart, because goalie is, you know, the most important player in hockey, but Sean Couturier as a whole is probably the most important player on the Flyers team. Uh, he's a big, a big mouth in the locker room and he's, you know, a representative to maybe be the captain once the time comes for John Tortorella to name a captain, but uh, he just had back surgery, which, you know, is big in itself. And now he has a herniated disc, which may need back surgery again. So, and Ryan Ellis has torn a muscle in his back, which is never good. Uh, so Sean Couturier, it's not confirmed, but he's likely to miss most of the season and potentially all of the season, which is a huge loss for the Flyers. And Ryan Ellis, again, might, be out for the season and it was said to maybe be a career ending injury too so yeah that's that's bad yeah that could be the downfall of the uh the flyers season right there just just without couturier that could be the downfall of the flyers season because they don't sean couturier matches up with players like patrice bergeron and anze kopitar who i mean specialize in that forward like the defensive forward area they don't have another player that can live up to that hype so this season just changed drastically uh chuck fletcher is uh, he's obviously being optimistic about it you know saying like yes this sucks but we need to be optimistic about how the season will go and we're still going to try to win as many games as they can because no player no athlete will willingly lose but and John Tortorella is also not wired to be like, okay, well, let's go for a better draft pick. No one's willing to do that. But with that being said, it's kind of looking quite intriguing to do so coming into a draft where they could get a high a high draft pick and potentially get a franchise player. And so considering I'm like your prospect pool is ranked like 19th, or it's not that it's not really ranked all that well. So this is that's a really interesting uh it's an interesting ultimatum to do over the season but that's going to be something interesting it definitely brought down my mood on the season I was so excited because I was like you know what it's a different season there they have potential to still win some but this definitely knocks my mood down a little bit and uh the there was one this but you know what with the Ryan Ellis injury that makes the Tony D'Angelo trade that much better because Tony D'Angelo doesn't make it it does make more sense now yeah so now the the Tony D'Angelo trade makes more sense 
because now you don't have that Ryan Ellis defenseman. So it'll be Tony D'Angelo, Cam York, Ivan Provorov, uh, Justin Braun, Travis Sanheim, and Ristolainen. So I'm just really interested to see uh, who, where they, who they pair where. Because on the first line, it's going to be Provorov. And then second line is going to be Sanheim and Ristolainen. Third line will be Justin Braun. And I'm interested to see where they fill in Tony D'Angelo and Cam York. Uh, I would personally like to see Cam York be on the first line with Tony or with Ivan Provorov. I think they played really well together last season. And Ivan Provorov does way better with that consistent partner on his D pairing. So I think that'll be a better thing to have there. But Tony D'Angelo, you're also not paying him third line money. You're paying him five mil a year. So I think that's definitely something that they're going to look at and potentially put him on the first line. Uh, but I think ultimately he was brought in for his power play uh, quarterback skills. So it's definitely going to be interesting to see where they slot guys. Yeah. Anything from a Capitals standpoint? Uh, the camp just started. So uh, preseason games are going to be starting up here relatively soon. So that's hockey starting to get in the hockey starting to get ready to be played. And I got to say, I do feel a lot less confident now. I didn't, I thought they could potentially, you know, shock everyone and maybe surprise with a wild card spot, but I didn't, <laughs> I didn't. I mean, I thought you could be a little bit better, but I thought a playoff spot was a very steep. I thought it was steep too, but I mean, that's why I said a surprise. I thought they were going to be like maybe – so I think it's going to be Rangers in the playoffs, Hurricanes in the playoffs, and definitely not the Islanders, not yeah. the Devils, maybe the Caps. The Caps maybe. will. The, the Devils, Caps, the the Devils Caps as well. Uh, so then you got the Penguins. You That's, still got the Penguins. The Devils could be exciting if they're able to stay healthy. We've been saying that for how long now? <laughs> well, I think it's actually a reality now. It's kind of funny because it's usually you saying that to me, like, oh, the Devils could be exciting. You're like, we've been saying that for the past three years. And I was like, you're right. Now we, we've totally flipped this script. But uh, who are the other two teams? In, oh, the Blue Jackets? No. Yeah, the Blue Jackets, they have Line A and Johnny Hockey now. I still don't. I still don't know about that one. You know what? Actually, be better than the Flyers. I was gonna say the more you talk, I okay. No, so I think, I think the Flyers have more depth overall. I think the Flyers have more depth at the end of the, throughout the team than Columbus does, and that I think could help them finish above Columbus. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe it'll end up as a like fifth in the division out of eight not terrible but yeah i think it'd be a surprise if they did make a wild card spot but with that we are going to end it off there so uh you guys can add our subscribe to our you or youtube at brotherly love in the district and then you guys can sub subscribe to our podcast on apple spotify wherever you listen uh, you can follow our instagram at bl in the dc or you can email us questions at bl in the dc at gmail.com and with that, we are going to end it off there. So we will see you guys next week.